Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. How do you do? This is Betty Jo Tucker Fields. It would be a little unkind to present this show without just a word of friendly warning. We are about to unfold the story of Movie Addict Headquarters, a radio show that dares to rant and rave about all things cinematic. It deals with the mysterious shadows flickering on the silver screen without all the sticky soda spills on the floor. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to, uh, well, we warned you. you brave horror movie fans out there. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Addict Headquarters for our special Halloween show. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, of course, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. That first warning voice you heard belongs to horror expert A.J. Hockery, also known as the Mad Movie Man. A.J. is one of our frequent and favorite guests, so I'd like to bring him right now. Bring him on right now. Welcome back to Movie Attic Headquarters, AJ. Glad to be here, Betty Joe. And that was that was quite some spooky music you had there at the start. <laughs> that was that was some of like the freakiest uh, music I've heard since I went and saw Mamma Mia. That was terrifying. Oh no, that that was a scary movie to you, Mamma Mia. We're gonna we're gonna get in. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that in another show. But it was spooky music, and and I'd like to thank uh, uh, Daniel Dyer for putting that together for us. I I do think it helps to get into a spooky mood for. A, Halloween show, and we're so glad you could be with us today. Why don't you tell our listeners, though, where that uh, classic introduction came from? That classic introduction, uh, performed masterfully by myself, I might say so. Uh, is a <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> is a, it's a takeoff of the introduction of the original 1931 Frankenstein. Edward Van Sloan came out and just kind of fulfilled, uh, filled viewers in on what they were in for, and of course, over the years, Frankenstein has become a lot less scary for 
uh, traditional mainstream moviegoers, but it's a great introduction. It sets the mood perfectly, and that scene and the movie itself will always hold a place in my heart. Well, I feel the same way, and as you know, I love the way you do that uh, that introduction. It reminds me that Boris Karloff's Frankenstein is the first movie that I remember seeing, and I actually blame Frankenstein for starting me on on the road to movie addiction. And I want to thank you for lending your creative voice talent to our show, AJ. I also want to thank uh, Nikki Starr, our producer extraordinaire, for helping out with the chat room again today, even though she's uh, not really feeling up to snuff, but she's in the chat room. And I think that she's cleared out all the cobwebs and lit all the candles there. And so I hope it isn't too frightening for uh, horror movie fans, and I hope uh, that uh, that people will enjoy being there in the chat room with Nikki. Now, on with the show. We're very lucky, folks, to have AJ here to talk about the best horror movies so far this year. He's more knowledgeable about horror flicks than anyone I know in this galaxy, and he has contributed film reviews to outlets like TerrorTube, Real Talk Movie Reviews, and Classic Movie Guide. And he's currently writing a book about the horror genre. Did I leave anything out, AJ? Nope, you, you pretty much got it all set. I, in one way or another, for all the different uh, sites I contribute to, I've done something horror, so I've, I've got my bases covered. Well, how in the world did you get interested in the uh, in the horror genre? Well, the horror, my interest, kind of uh, sort of began by accident. You know, when I was a kid. I did not like horror movies. Like, I had seen uh, little clips of uh, The Exorcist probably when I was about, like, six or seven years old. And just just clips, not even, like, whole scenes from the movie. And those terrified me so much that I I didn't even see The Exorcist in full until I was well into college in, like, 2008. And I had to watch it on my laptop in the kitchen, in the middle of the afternoon with all the lights on. Uh, oh, no, I didn't realize that. So so uh, you you really did not, um, I mean, you weren't very very into horror movie then, movies as a child. I wasn't, uh, but kind of as, as the years went on and I started getting more involved with movies in general, I kind of had to suck it up and go, well, if I'm going to watch all these movies, you know, I, I have to watch some of the horror ones. And just a few, a few well-placed viewings kind of had me going like, wait, this is scary? This is what I was afraid of? Like, this is terrible. And uh, soon enough, I found uh, more movies I, more often than not, the movies, uh, horror movies I saw, I wasn't necessarily scared of. So these days when I see a horror movie, I'm not so much looking to be like, jolted out of my seat, there's a small probability of that. Anyway, but if something interests me about the movie, like the premise or like the cinematography or like good characters, like that's sort of what I look for now instead of, oh, I want to be just completely scared out of my gourd because there's not much chance of that happening, unfortunately, with a lot of the stuff coming out today. Well, that's that's a good point, and, and that kind of separates you from – uh, people who are just simply fans of horror movies, like I am, where I'm I'm looking to be be really really scared, just like I was when I was a little six year old, hiding under the seat from Frankenstein on the big screen, and then 
peeking out from under that seat and uh, being very, very uh, terrorized, but also fascinated. And uh, I have been that way, you know, ever since. So, but you're the, you're the professional here, and I I wanted to mention that this past year. Uh, as far as the horror genre is concerned. We've had uh, films about werewolves, vampires, ghosts, monsters, and other frightening creatures or events that have been released. And I I just am uh, really curious to know which of those movies uh, have been the best theatrical horror flicks that you've seen this year. All right, best theatrical horror flicks. Uh, I you know, I just got done saying I look for something that I look for movies that do something interesting uh, with the material. But my pick for the best horror movie I've seen so far this year is a straight up good old fashioned haunted house movie, and that's Insidious. Like right from the very beginning, like the opening credits, where you're just kind of being taken on the tour of this dark house, and there's kind of something in the background, and you got the violin screeching in the background that. Like, it's just like you're being taken through, like, a funhouse ride. And all throughout the movie, there's stuff popping out at you. And it's a, and it's a startling movie, and it's but it's very atmospheric. But the thing that kind of clinched it for me is that I really cared about the family uh, in the movie. Like, they totally acted like a family. You know, there's the mom getting her kids ready for school and dad's uh, checking in the mirror for gray hairs and stuff and you get to spend a little time with them and you actually care about them so when the ghosts start coming and uh targeting uh one of their boys you're like no 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 don't do that no 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 i don't i don't want anything bad to happen to these people like as opposed to just kind of a, some by the number slasher movie where you're just counting down like all right this guy's gonna die here that guy's gonna die there and there's no emotional investment so insidious like I said, just clinched it for me on two fronts. Like, it looked spooky and it felt spooky, and I actually cared about what happened. Well, I'm so glad that you felt that way about Insidious because I'd like to give it a special award uh, for being the horror movie with the most clever idea because you have a situation here that I haven't seen done in horror movie in a horror movie before. I know you see a lot more of them than I do. But um, you think it's going to be just another haunted house film, you know, when it starts, as you mentioned. But uh, you have a young boy who falls, and as a result of that fall, he loses consciousness and he he goes into a coma. But what's what's happening to him during that uh, coma are unusual as well as frightening and horrifying. I just I really got drawn in to. Will I will I spoil it if I say astral projection? Am I saying that correct? And and uh, did I read it right that that's what was happening in that film? Yeah, that's 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 what's going on, and that's why uh, the whole uh, character building stuff in the first half is so important because the second half of the movie goes into a little bit of goofy territory. It's kind of tricky because they bring in like the ghost investigators and psychics and. At that point, I'm usually rolling my eyes like, oh, boy, here we go. Uh, but it's but because you're so interested in the, that first half of the movie that when it starts getting into all these kind of silly ideas that you see all the time in haunted house movies and ghost stories, you're, you're still interested in what's going to happen and how everything's going to turn out. Yes, uh, you're right about that. And can you believe we already have a caller 
So I think it's um, Morgan Lawrence, so I'm going to bring him on to see if he has a question for you, AJ. Hi, Morgan. Good afternoon. How are you? Well, we're just fine, and we're having a, quite a discussion here with horror expert A.J. Hockery about the the best horror movie so far this year. Do you have a question for A.J., or do I you have a, something do. you'd like to contribute? I absolutely do. I have a couple. But mostly, um, A.J., what do you think about the Paranormal Activity films? Well, I'm kind of glad you brought that up, because I had a Paranormal 3 on my uh, list here, and I, I, I just saw it last night, and the paranormal movies, I have seen so many polarizing reactions, like just from uh, the customers at the video store I've, I work at, I've had people bring it back saying, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen, absolutely nothing happened, I can't believe you allowed me to rent this, and then people just kind of, and others just kind of return it, and they're still like petrified in fear, like thanks for making me not be able to sleep for the past week because you rented me this movie. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sort of in the middle. Like, in the first movie, there's definitely uh, a lot more periods of inactivity in between all the kind of the chairs moving and stuff. And as and i got to give them credit. Like, as the movies progress, they're a lot more consistent with the suspense and, like, okay. setting it up earlier and maintaining it throughout. And I, and I just saw Paranormal 3 last night, and, yeah, right at the beginning, you know, like, all right, what's kind of going on in the background seconds. there? Yeah. Yeah. First 30 well, I can't, I can't watch those uh, films because um, the jerky cameras give me uh, migraines, so I've missed all of those paranormal activity <laughs> I was going to say, in Paranormal 3, it's it's not so bad in Paranormal 3 because this one's, weirdly enough, with each sequel, it becomes a prequel because number two is a prequel to uh, number one, and number right. three, this is uh, set in the 80s when uh, the main characters in the first two movies were uh, little girls, so you have uh, their uh, mom's boyfriend sets up like the big old brick VHS cameras around, which I might add have pristine quality in this movie. There's like a little bit of tracking at the beginning. I didn't realize they had like high def back in the 80s. I want to know what uh, Radio Shack they went to. <laughs> Let me ask you a question about that, because uh, in these kind of films, one of the things for me that I'm really curious about, and you're the professional here, do you see the editing and the cinematography as the real basis for the quality of the film as opposed to the writing? I, I would definitely say so. Like the, if, if there's, uh, if there are scares to be had in the movie, it is because of like the camera setup and everything, especially in uh paranormal activity three, where uh, in order to get views of like both the kitchen and the, uh, the living the room, he sets up the scene. camera on an on an oscillating fan, so it kind of pans back and forth. So there's that new twist of, all right, you see something in the kitchen, then it pans over. Oh, there's there's something in the background, then it pans back to the kitchen, pans back, and it's not there anymore. So it yeah. has that added gimmick there. It's all, it's all about the jumps and the startles and, wait, did I see what I think I just saw? And, yeah, that's definitely up to the, the cinematography. Well, okay. AJ, uh, going along with what um, what Morgan is asking, uh, would you put the 
Paranormal Activity 3 on your list of uh, a horror treat or for this year, or is it one? Is it a trick instead of a treat? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. It, it's a tough call because because like I said, these provoke very passionate reactions. Either you're utterly scared to death, or you kind of walk away going, "Well, that was stupid." I. And for me, Paranormal 3, it was pretty much in line with the first two movies. You have the the edge-of-your-seat tension and, like, this steady rising sense of dread over, like, the first hour or so. And then in, like, the last, like, 10, 15 minutes, it just goes completely goofy. Then the whole illusion of, like, you're watching somebody's home movies, the illusion is shattered, and you realize you're watching a movie. And especially Paranormal 3 ends on a... Well, you got to watch Paranormal Four next year. Like it almost yeah. felt like it almost felt like the That's... announcer from the Adam West Batman show should have come <laughs> on. Like tune in next year, same Paranormal time, same Paranormal <laughs> channel. Like you know, I don't think I don't think you're putting it on your best list. But, but Morgan, uh, very good questions. And um, do you have time to to stay on the line with us? Oh yeah, or... I've got a I've got a couple more questions I really wanted to ask. Okay, um, well, why don't you go ahead? Okay, I just don't want to mess up your show. Um, well, no, this this is uh, AJ's uh, stardom here today. Oh, and, okay. Uh, we can tell that you're that you're interested in a horror. Yeah, I movie, love this so. sort of thing because um, uh, what a lot of people are not aware of is that most of the major universities I worked at Hopkins, and they all have a parapsychogenic lab or a team, a go team that goes out and investigates these things. So when they have one of these movies like this and you look at the team that, quote, goes to investigate it, I kind of want to compare it to the people that I know that really do this for a living. And uh, I, I guess I, my question, AJ, is uh, are you aware of, of some people that kind of go out and, and do these things, do these investigations? I I, I just kind of, kind of assume that they uh, did exist. You know, I'm – like like the like the ghost hunter people in uh, Insidious or on like on the TV like the ghost hunters and ghost adventures right. people. I'm pretty sure like that's like those guys. They're definitely ex- exaggerated. And in real life, the like the process is probably more radically different. Sort of like how like a like a meteorologist would go see the day after tomorrow and just exactly. roll their eyes and just scream, "Oh, come on!" for the entire movie. So, but but I'm yeah. I'm I just kind of assume that they had some place, uh, some basis in reality in real life. Do you do you think we'll ever see a film that probably along the lines of like The Exorcist? You know, because I I always thought that that was really well done because they took a true life situation and just exaggerated the bejeevers out of it until it kind of scared the socks off of most of the world. So are, are, so the question is, do you think we'll have another Exorcist? Yeah, film? I mean, I that was a quality film. Uh, William Peter Blatty did, and his team did a great job on that. I don't see those kind of budgets anymore, and I kind of wonder if they're ever going to come back. Um, well, AJ, I know, like, could I, about, AJ, oh. AJ, could I interrupt on that and say I'm I'm absolutely certain that the right, R-I-T-E, wasn't the type of movie that, uh, <laughs> that Morgan is talking about. In fact, uh, we we're going to spend some time uh, after we finish talking about or hearing about your picks for the best 
uh, horror movies of this past year, uh, talking about the the worst. And uh, I just wanted to interject that the right is on my list of of the worst. But we probably <laughs> should uh, we probably should hear a little bit more from from you, AJ. You you've given us Insidious. I think that's a that's an excellent choice for the, for one of the best of the year. But um, you're kind of mixed about uh, Paranormal Activity three. Uh, so are there any other horror movies this year that that you'd like to? designate or give a, give an award as being the best. Uh yeah, and and for Paranormal 3, like in the end for Paranormal Activity 3, I would still say I liked it. Like I I like the other two. They're not perfect movies, but like when the scares work, they really work. Like it's all about like the knots in your stomach and like, oh boy, what's going to happen next? Oh boy. And there were more of those moments in Paranormal 3 than moments that didn't work. So I would say I liked it. But for other uh, theatrical horror movies this year, uh, I liked uh, Rubber, which I uh, sort of I sort of touched upon on the uh, fall uh, on the DVD release of show I did uh, recently with you and the Movie Mom, where uh, it's it's Rubber is about a uh, it, it's kind of hard to describe with a straight face. It's about a sentient uh, tire. It's about a tire named Robert, and it comes to life. <laughs> And it just uh, it discovers that it can blow things up with its mind, but it's about oh, no. more than that. I don't want to get too far into it, but let's say it's it's about as equal parts horror and comedy and satire and like living movie essay. It's like an, a a film essay about moviegoers, and the less you know about it, the better. But it be like the movie begins with one of my favorite scenes this year where. The sheriff in the movie just sort of comes out and sets the mood and says that the movie is an homage to the no reason. Where he says, in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, why did everybody, why didn't you see anybody wash their hands or use the bathroom? No reason. In JFK, why did President Kennedy get shot? No reason. And it's just this bizarre monologue. But like I said, it just sets the tone for like one of the most unique movies you'll ever see. Even if you hate it, you will never see another movie like Rubber. Wow, I'm putting that on my list. So we've got Insidious and we've got Rubber and what what else? Uh I also like the this is this isn't so much straight horror as it is sort of a a really intense uh thriller, serial killer thriller called uh, I Saw the Devil from Korea and it's about this uh and it's about this uh basically a secret agent pretty much and his wife is uh killed by this uh serial killer and he uses like all the tricks at his disposal to like capture the guy, kinda lay the hurt on him and like l- and let him go and just sort of like toys with him back and forth. But the killer is just as uh tenacious. He's just kinda goes, Oh, you think you're gonna hurt me? Well I'm gonna hurt you back so it's sort of this cat and mouse game back and forth through the whole movie and it it gets to some very intense scenes. So it's not for wow. the squeamish, but I, I did really like I Saw the Devil. Well, that sounds like another one to put on to put on our uh, our list. And so Insidious, Rubber, and I Saw the Devil, your top three. How did I, you I, feel about Final Destination 5 oh. and Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, <laughs> which are uh, my two favorites of, of this year? F- Final Destination 5, you know, it was... 
it was okay. It's not the worst. Like, I've enjoyed the series up to this point, even uh, the final destination from just a couple years ago, which a lot of people hated, but I saw it and I loved it as... A, it was a love letter to the whole series itself. So there was all these references to all the movies that came before it, and it was just totally goofy in its presentation. I just had a blast watching it, how terrible it was. As for uh, Final Destination 5, like, more than ever, this definitely felt like, okay, the series is just kind of running out of ideas, the steam's kind of leaving, and there's not much reason for it to go on anymore, especially with the ending, which I'm not going to give away, but the ending... The ending twist just kind of had me going, all right, you, you went there, huh? You're, you're really going to do this movie, huh? You did that. I know. <laughs> I know what and, you mean. And I I just can't, I, I don't know why I like this franchise so much. But Because, of course, the plot is the same all the time. And, I all, and every time I watch one of these, I get uh, afraid of, of various things <laughs> that I never thought about before. <laughs> you know, things like pigeons and microwaves and spaghetti and nail guns and the lawnmower. movie theaters. And after this this one, I had to add uh, acupuncture, gymnastics, and eye surgery. So the list is getting pretty long. I hope that there's no Final De- Destination 6. I'll have to make the list even longer. But I, I squirmed. I, I just squirm in my seat when I watch these Final Destination movies because <laughs> cause when the the death finally comes, you know, you expect it in certain ways, but then when it comes, it's more horrifying than you could even uh, imagine. And, yeah, uh, these movies tease the you. Theme, they just don't go straight for it. Yeah, yeah, you can't uh, cheat death. Uh, uh, I, I see Morgan Morgan hung up, and I didn't mean to ignore him. I was going to ask him how he felt about the Final Destination series. So, so Morgan, if you want to call back in, we'll definitely put you on. And um, I'm I'm sorry that you... Um, that we started monopolizing the monopolizing the show, but thank you for for your uh, questions and your participation. What about Don't Be Afraid of the Dark? Was that one that you you thought was was a uh, good horror flick? Well, he, here's the kind of weird thing about Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. I thought that like I, I liked the movie, but it was almost like it was too cool to be scary. Like, the oh. beginning credits were really well designed. The cinematography was beautiful. The production design was great. This was a handsome-looking movie, but For not sure. one moment was I ever scared. Like, I was never oh. on the edge of my seat. I was never held in suspense. You know, I was just too busy looking at all like, oh, oh that's a cool hedge, and all oh, that basement's kind of funky. And meanwhile, and, and, and it's almost like the... Uh, like, the reason I wasn't so scared, it's almost like they give the, uh, there's not enough mystery to, like, the li- the little guys. I'm not going to spoil, like, what they are in particular, but, like, the little guys that kind of creep around the house, they're talking to each other, they're mobilizing, and it's almost like there's not enough mystery there. They're too intelligent, they're too talky, and it, it's I, I was never kind of scared of them. Well, I have just the opposite uh reaction to this film but uh you know aj whenever there's a movie about a child in jeopardy or a little child in danger that just grabs my attention and draws me into the story right away and the performance by this bailey madison 
just stands out here because she just she fit that role. I mean, she just uh, broke my heart practically, and she looked so terrified most of the time. I just felt like I was suffering right along with her. And, uh, of course, that's exactly what's needed for a movie like this. But I did yeah. think that the scariest thing about it were those hideous tiny creatures. <laughs> and those little buggers succeeded in scaring me enough to leave a light on every night since I saw that darn movie. <laughs> so that was, uh, yeah, that yeah, was she, definitely... She, yeah, that actress, like that young actress, like she didn't do a bad job, but that was sort of another thing that just kind of bothered me on a more superficial level or at the beginning, like, the creatures are talking to her and voices are coming out of the wall and in the dark. And she's not the slightest bit scared. She just kind of goes along with it, like, oh, my new friend. It's like, if I was five years old, I'd be wet in the bed and heading out the door, like, running down the street Roadrunner style. Get out of that place. She's just kind of <laughs> chilling. <laughs> well, you, you do make a good point there, but it certainly it certainly worked worked for me. Well, uh, besides Insidious and Rubber and I Saw the Devil, uh, what other movies shall we put on our list as the as the best of 2011 in the horror genre? Uh, those are the ones that uh, those are pretty much the only ones that I could uh, come up with, like off the top of my head. I'm sure I saw some other ones that were. They were pretty good, but they didn't leave an impression on me. And the others, I don't know, maybe this is a kind of good way to lead into the worst. Or it's either mixed or just kind of really awful. Yeah, that's what I was wondering about because I already told you, I already gave away mine, um, one of mine, which is The the Right, which uh, is about um, an, uh, an exorcist played by Anthony Hopkins. But there was so much darkness in the movie i mean i could barely tell what was happening in so many of the scenes and i hate it when that happens when i'm trying to watch a movie and it was it just uh, it didn't it didn't scare me at all i feel about that movie like uh, you felt about uh, don't be afraid of the dark was that one the right one of your movies that you you felt um was awful I I wouldn't say the right was awful. Like if it didn't have Anthony Hopkins in it, it would probably be it probably rank down there. But he definitely classed the place up. And my my favorite part about the right is how at the beginning Anthony Hopkins after they do the exorcism, he goes to the other priest and goes, "Oh, what were you expecting? Uh, spinning heads and pea soup? It's like, oh yeah, those." stupid exorcism theatrics you see all the time. Like, that's not going to be this movie. And then, like, ten minutes later, someone's, like, spitting out nails and then backbending <laughs> stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, that really sticked long. Yeah, good job. <laughs> that's a good That's a good point. <laughs> so, well, which, which movies did you want to give your Razzies to uh, in the horror genre this year? Fortunately, I haven't seen too many that were really bad. Like, most of the ones I've seen have ranged from either okay to, eh, it wasn't the worst, but I'll never watch it again. Uh, the two that I uh, picked out that were probably the worst were uh, The Roommate from earlier this year. It's just a really derivative, like, psycho psycho movie where it's, oh, no, she's, like, my roommate's crazy and she uh, uh, kills things, and uh, that's pretty much it. There's not much intelligence to it at all, and the acting was, uh, yeah. And it was, it, it, it was a movie where the writing just seriously killed it, because you have this 
the psycho girl living in the dorm, like, by herself. And then when she takes her uh, roommate, the, the heroine of the movie, to her parents for Thanksgiving, the parents are all, are all like, uh, she's been taking her medication, right? And, I, and they're obviously scared of their daughter, which kind of had me going, like, wait a minute, you are obviously frightened of what your daughter's capable of. You know that she's off her nut, and yet you just trusted to send her to school all by yourself, all by yourself, and just trust her to take her medication. It's like you get you get whatever's coming to you, you idiots. Like what? Well, like what's the deal? <laughs> that no, I I'm glad you mentioned that movie because um, it was so bad that evidently I've forgotten about it. But now that you're explaining <laughs> about that movie, I remember I did see it, but it didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry it, to bring it up again. I'm sorry. <laughs> it didn't even it didn't it didn't register with me well. Well, I I really saw two uh, two horror films that I was uh, I had high hopes for these. I was so excited about um, seeing them, and what a disappointment! Red Riding Hood and Dream House. Oh yeah. Two. Do you? My <laughs> husband calls uh, Red Riding Hood. He calls it a lifetime flick set in medieval times. <laughs> and of course, it's yeah. supposed to be a, a horror version of the legendary fairy tale. But my goodness, it just it it just ended up being uh, sort of a ludicrous uh, story. And uh, some of the production values were were great. And of course, they were trying to capitalize, I think, on the popularity of uh, the Twilight figures because they got these two hunky guys who are, you know, after Red Riding Hood. And uh, there's somebody in the village who's a werewolf who terrifies the entire village. And the whole point of the movie is who is the werewolf? And, you know, well, I didn't care when I (laughs) – Yeah. Yeah, Red Red Riding Hood wouldn't scare a 4-H slumber party. Like and and it and it says something when a movie with Gary Oldman as a werewolf hunter who just hauls around a giant metal elephant is boring. That should not be a boring movie. No, it shouldn't be. And it had some some pretty good cinematography and uh, the um, the acting wasn't you know just completely bad, but it it's just the whole whole concept and and how it uh, really didn't fit together that that well. So so you agree with me on Red Riding Hood. What about Dreamhouse? See, Dreamhouse, like I kind I do understand why it's uh let some people down. I didn't think it was so bad because I, I and I'd heard a lot about the trailers kind of giving away everything, so I purposely avoided them. And then I saw the movie and about 30 minutes in, 45 minutes in, there's this twist that happens. And I'm kind of sitting there going, okay, I hope you know where you're going with this. And like, you didn't just kind of sp- uh, kind of spend your nickel early on, and now you're just kind of be uh, running around for the rest of the movie with your uh, uh, wheels in the dirt. But it kind of went into some interesting territory. It wasn't a complete success, you know. In the end, it's pretty much just your average. Like oh there's uh, the home invasion like protect the place and guys coming in trying to get you yeah whatever but at least it sort of tries to do something different and for the moments that it did work it it held my interest like it wasn't terribly bad you know I got to give it credit for uh, trying something a little off the beaten path even though it didn't really work on the whole. 
No, it didn't, and uh, I I was intrigued in the in the beginning, and um, we have of course it's always you know a house, and, you know turning into his dream house turned into a nightmare. That's pretty much the theme of this of this movie, and it did have a twist. But I was one of those unfortunate people who saw the previews, and so I knew exactly what was going on, and I I just. That was such a gigantic mistake in PR, and I'll bet what happened to the person in charge of the trailers was much more scary than the movie itself. Yeah, <laughs> there's, been movie. A, there's been an outcry about uh, about that. But uh, Daniel Craig and your favorite actress, no wonder you liked this movie. <laughs> yeah, it had Rachel Weisz in it. It wasn't Rachel so Weiss. bad. Come on. <laughs> Well, she was good. I thought she she gave a, a good performance. And but but do you have any other movies that you you want to warn people about besides The Roommate? Yeah, there was this one that kind of it slipped under a lot of people's radar, and for good reason. It was called A uh, Creature, and it was this very basic. It's it's a generic monster movie. It's a, like some swamp thing and. It kind of comes after a bunch of teenagers looking for the party, and it's the same movie you've done a gazillion times before. But it kind of raised some eyebrows last month when it came out in a pretty wide release. It came out in about like fifteen hundred theaters for this oh movie that had like very little publicity, and it set a new record for the lowest opening weekend of a movie on that many screens. It only did like a couple of hundred thousand dollars. And so and I read a lot of articles online that were kind of like, how did this movie make it, like, this big? Like, this is the sort of thing that the After Dark Horror Fest people would kind of turn their nose at. It's that generic and really, really boring. So uh, the, the world as a whole has kind of seemed to have forgotten about Creature, and it, it's best that you do it, too. Just just kind of move along. Nothing to see here, folks. Oh, my gosh. Did it have any uh, A-list stars in it? Uh, the biggest actor in it was uh, Sid Haig from uh, the, the Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses. And uh, unfortunately, he's turned into the, one of these guys that he'll show up at the opening of an envelope. Like he'll just do any horror movie. It seems like, and he's he, and he's a good actor, and he seems like a cool guy to just you know hang around with. But yeah, this is this is the work that he's getting. I don't know. Maybe you should like think of getting into another line of business maybe so and and i was wondering if you um if you have anybody in mind other than rachel vice as the best actress in uh, or best actor in a horror movie this year i do and actually for as for as mixed as i kind of came across on paranormal activity three i do have to give credit to uh two very young actresses jessica tyler brown and chloe uh uh and Gary, I'm I'm probably mangling that name, but they play uh, the little girls, you know, the as as kids, the characters who would pop up in Paranormal One and Two, and they were some of the better uh, child performers I've seen recently. And while all this uh, supernatural, freaky stuff is happening around them, they remain very believable. And those those two girls were kind of they were troopers in that movie. Got to give them credit. Oh, great! And then, of course, mine would go to Bailey um, Madison and um, in uh, "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark." 
And I would also like to uh, recognize Daniel Craig in um, Cowboys and Aliens. I, I felt that that was a horror movie because of the monsters, and they, they gave me shock and awe. Uh, and uh, so I would give credit. Uh, he's been awfully busy, Daniel Craig, being in so many movies this year. So I'll give credit to him for his for his acting. I think that was his best uh, best performance ever. Uh, was in Cowboys and Aliens, so hooray <laughs> for him. I just thought he was great as this, uh, as w- waking up in a desert with this gadget around his arm and, and not knowing who he was or, or where he was, and uh, I thought that set the tone for the for the movie, and it was pretty suspenseful for me. I can't believe how fast the time has gone. <laughs> AJ, we're almost out of time, and I just um, want to thank you so much for uh, starring today in our Hollywood, in our uh, Halloween special, and I want to thank Morgan Lawrence for calling in. I wish he would have stayed uh, longer, but we've only covered about half of the things we wanted to talk about, AJ, so we're going to have to have you back soon. Will Will you come back soon? With bells on. Anytime I'm good to go. Great. And we'll we'll talk about the DVDs again because we really didn't um didn't do that and I wanted I wanted to cover the uh, the DVDs because you see so many of them and uh, so I don't have to, which uh, <laughs> I really do I really do appreciate. It's been a real treat to have you with us. This is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout-out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support. We really appreciate it. Special thanks to Nikki Starr and Daniel Dyer for all their help. Thanks also to our chatters and other listeners. I hope everyone enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. Please come back next time for another lively discussion about movies. And in the meantime, don't forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. That's all for now, folks. So let's close our special Halloween show by going out, doing, you guessed it, the time warp again. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. But listen closely. Not for very much longer. I've got to keep control. Oh, no.
not at all in another dimension with voyeuristic intention. Well, so I see all with a bit of a mind slip. You're into the time slip, and nothing can ever be the same. You see subtle sensation. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.